Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kate Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and you can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle, and you can follow me at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEM. And I'm Jake, and you can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Jake Trowbridge with a W. We are going to talk some lovely fantasy football today. As always, be sure to check out BallBlastFootball.com. Lots of new stuff. We have lots of rookie profiles that we've been mentioning, but uh, lots of pro day updates and pro day analysis thrown in there. So if you want to check those out, please do. The NFL draft is three weeks away. It's not even. It's two weeks. It's two weeks away. My math is off. (laughs) <laughs> but that made it more exciting. <laughs> I know, you just took a whole week away from somebody. I know, it's kind That's of amazing. like when you think it's Thursday, but it ends up being Friday, yeah. and you're like, oh mm. my god, it's the weekend. So that's just what happened to me. When I people was... are listening to this tomorrow, it is two weeks away, and we're going to finally have Yay. answers. Yay. Answers that we want so bad. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. Lots of uh, turbulence in terms of like what is going on in the top ten. All of that exciting stuff. But if you want to start preparing for your rookie drafts now, definitely check out those profiles. We just did a lovely Bell Blast football mock with the whole writing staff-ish, a few people on the writing staff, where we did a rookie mock draft and broke it down for you guys. So check that out. Guys, we have plenty of news to talk about. All of it's essentially fake news at this point. We're just, it's a rumor mill. That's That's what this is at this point. But we also have some we have pretty a- key signings uh-huh. that probably don't matter whatsoever. But they're key at this point in March or in April when we have no news. Everything it's like these are key right now. Yeah, it's like these are massive signings when really they don't mean anything. Probably at least it's something real to talk about. I think the first one though, uh, this is totally just going off the draft stuff and a, a total narrative. But Justin Fields had his second pro day. Uh, it was basically just a second throwing session today uh, for the 49ers, pretty much. Not just the 49ers. Not just the 49ers. I know the Patriots, uh, some the representatives from the Patriots showed up from the Jets. Uh, I don't know who else. But the key one that we're all focusing in on is that the 49ers GM, John Lynch, and Kyle Shanahan were both in attendance. And that's who we're eyeing. Right? We want to know who are the 49ers going to take. And all the news coming out over the last few weeks or two weeks has been Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. And today there's finally some buzz again that it could be Justin Fields. Saw a little picture of Kyle Shanahan talking it up with Justin Fields. They were smiling. They both looked happy. But guess what? Trey Lance has his second throwing session on April 19th. So that's on Monday. That's after Justin Fields. So he's going to be the last one where it's like, ooh, it's going to be Trey Lance. Yeah, it's going to rotate. So it was Mac Jones while they were with Mac Jones. And then today they're with Justin Fields. So it's going to be Justin Fields. And then when they go to see Trey Lance, it'll be Trey Lance. You guys know when you smile at someone, it means you're drafting them, right? Is this seventh grade? Is this... <laughs> First of all, good to know your secret. Second of all, that's exactly what I did to score a dance at my seventh grade uh, homecoming. So yeah, I think it tracks. Keep the face no, straight. I don't know. I could, I think the right choice for the 49ers would be to draft Justin Fields. I've made that perfectly clear. I just don't know if that's going to be the pick. That's all. Who knows? Uh, the odds have actually shifted over on DraftKings Sportsbook today. Uh, odds for... Justin Fields, I believe we're sitting at plus 250, and now we're sitting around the plus 100 mark. So Vegas is agreeing. Interesting. Worth noting. So uh, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I want to cut. I want to blow through the news. Can we get through? Yeah. Let's get through these next two signings. Going to get to the next one. You're I'm a little impatient. Yeah. 
little bugger here. Gio Bernard was cut, and then he was signed by the Bucks on a one-year deal. Uh, I'm sure you've listened to the podcast. They've gone through it. But your thoughts on the Bucks backfield. We'll get to the uh, Bengals backfield later. But thoughts on the Bucks backfield. Jake. It's kind of gross. <laughs> this doesn't make it much less gross for me. The one great thing about Geo is, hey, Tom finally has somebody who can catch a ball yep. firmly and efficiently. And that's really, I guess, all I'm looking at then for when I'm drafting is, well, who is he going to throw it, dump it off to? Uh, right now, I guess based on projective ADP, I like Geo. I don't like any of the rest of the backfield. I agree. I, I think Ronald Jones is the most talented runner of the group, but the Athletics' Greg Allman came out and reported that the Bucks signed Gio Bernard because the team's running backs struggled with drops in 2020, and we saw that. They had the highest drop rate in the NFL last year, 14.7%. That's more than double the league's average at 6.6%. Fournette had seven drops, Jones had five drops, and Vaughn had three drops and 10 targets. It was like every game you just saw these passes right in their hands just fall to the ground. Or it's like Ronald Jones, those drops don't even include when he would catch it and fumble it. It's because he was so nervous <laughs> to catch a ball. It's like me when I catch a ball like during flag football. I'm like, oh my God, I caught it. Yeah, and you're just too nervous afterwards. And that's just what it was with these guys. So I do think Gio Bernard's going to steal a ton of the passing down work. And then you're going to have to hope Ronald Jones gets the touchdowns instead of Fournette, but the whole backfield's a mess. But which one of these guys, so let's say you're playing an underdog, they have uh, best ball leagues that you can participate in. If you're playing in some underdog fantasy leagues and you're looking to draft one of these guys in a best ball format, is it still Geo? I'll still go. Yeah. I'll still go Jones because I, I think with the Geo news, he'll even far far fall further and he was already going pretty late so if i can get him in the ninth 10th 11th round i'll take ronald jones i guess we we missed the sam darnold news last week because we did not record the podcast but let's talk about this quickly sam darnold traded to the panthers uh he's now escaped the jets and adam gase does it matter is he going to be good with the panthers would you even consider drafting him is this good or bad news for tj Moore? jake answer all those questions I'm fine actually drafting Sam Darnold, assuming that he is a late round target for quarterback and that his ADP does not rise to like anything above the seventh round. Um, then I'm 100% out. If he's in like the meaty middle of the draft, I'm still probably not going to do it. But as we alluded to in a previous podcast, he's the type of person I might pair with a Ryan Fitzpatrick if I'm going that route in drafts just to be like, well, you know, he has plenty of weapons. The consistency... It'll be fine, at least. You know, he has a somewhat safe floor, I think. But, yeah, I'm not overly excited. DJ Moore, though, I'm not really excited for DJ Moore. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, he's going to stay hey, where he was. Jamison Crowder, very uh, when he's That's been true. healthy, he's been a very productive PPR asset. So if DJ Moore, if he's going to be unable to get past his first read and just throws to DJ Moore 140 times, I don't hate it. That's true. He could be Jamison Crowder-like, where he just gets a ton of targets. This is my issue with saying that Sam Darnold's just going to get better after Adam Gase, after the Jets. Like, he already was bad at what he's bad at now at USC. He turned over the ball a ton. He had 22 interceptions, 20 fumbles at USC in two seasons. Like, he, that was his biggest struggle coming out of college. That was his biggest weakness. And then that's what he does in the NFL. He makes terrible, terrible decisions. I don't think Adam Gase made him a, a terrible decision maker. And with Gase and with the Jets, he has not been just like, oh, mediocre. Like, let's get him on a good team and he can get better. It's like, no, he's been the worst of the worst of the worst. He's been straight like the bottom of the barrel. If you're looking since 20 cents... 2010 quarterbacks that had lower than a 60% completion percentage, fewer than 225 yards per game, and lower than an 80 passer rating in their first three seasons. Like, those are all three terrible metrics. It's Jake Locker, Colt McCoy, Mark Sanchez, Blaine Gabbert, Josh Rosen, Geno Smith, John Skelton, Deshaun Kaiser, and Sam Darnold. Like, if you're going to say Sam Darnold's just terrible because of his weapons, because of his team, then look at the rest of this list. It's not like they were given everything in the world. Like, just some quarterbacks are bad. 
and they're just bad. Like Josh Rosen was just traded for a second round pick two years ago and he did nothing. Like some quarterbacks just aren't good. And Sam Darnold's not good. Um, I didn't know we were supposed to bring a body bag for this episode of the Ball Blast podcast. <laughs> Speaking of blasting balls, holy smokes, Michelle. Uh, that was that was rough. That was tough to listen to. That's a really bad list of quarterbacks. Uh, it's kind of like we were listening to... And you can pull any list of any stat, and this is how bad it looks. Like, it's not just <laughs> like... You, there's not a stat that he looks nice in. He's been the worst of the worst of the worst over the last 10 years. It's been... Straight garbage. Well, that list reminds me of... Can I take back what of... I said? I don't want to draft him anymore. <laughs> Good. This is, this is a really bad list. He's not an upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. At all. I don't think this is... So if you're happy with no. Teddy Bridgewater's fantasy points, that's cool. Now take some of those points away. Um, and you should have never been happy to begin with. All right. And then the last signing, which we'll get into our talk of the town. James Conner signed with the Cardinals. Sad Steelers fan over here. But I'm happy for him that he got another opportunity. And hopefully it's one where he has an opportunity to be the starting running back in that offense. Now, I don't know that necessarily the talk of the town has been what what is James Conner versus uh, Chase Edmonds. I feel like it hasn't even been about that. I feel like the question's just been, is James Conner good? And can he be productive in fantasy football? So that is what we are here to discuss in this week's Talk of the Town. Everybody, before we get back into some fantasy football talk, I want to talk to you about my front page story. We've talked about them a million times, and that is because they are so freaking awesome at creating really special gifts for the people you love. Talk to a professional writer. Don't forget, Mother's Day is coming up, like approaching very quickly Don't think we forgot about your mothers. You better be thinking about the gift. And here is your idea. Talk to a professional writer about your mom and tell them stories for 10 to 15 minutes with myfrontpagestory.com. And that professional journalist will write the most amazing story ever. So literally, you you give it to mom. It shows up and it's like a front page of a newspaper, except it's about your mom. And she gets to know how much you love her. This is such an awesome gift, though, for real, for real, because you know your mom read the newspaper, at least growing up. Maybe she stopped over the last couple of years, but this is something that's going to feel nostalgic to her. Like, she's going to love this gift, and it actually means you put some thought into it. Like, I know we have a lot of male listeners here, and I have a feeling that you just order those flowers, and you send them on over. You put no thought into it. Like, if you actually take those 10 minutes and just tell them about a fun story about your mom or a loving story or just a sweet story from when you were a kid or now, like anything, like your mom's going to cry. You're going to make her so excited. It's just like such an easy, uh, it, it's not, I don't want to say inexpensive, but it's not like a, a expensive gift. Like, don't worry about that. And it's just something that your mom is going to absolutely adore. Like you're going to win son or daughter points so hard. Jake, are you she one of those going, guys that just smashes send on the flowers? I actually like to think that I'm a little more creative than that. <laughs> I have made some gifts over the years, not only because I'm cheap, but also because <laughs> I'm sentimental. But this is so, I, I know it's maybe a little uncouth to say, it's so easy. Not that that's the main vocal point, <laughs> but it's easy and it's something that you know that mom is going to keep around for a super long time. Oh, yeah. She's going to cry happy tears. And not that, like, tears are great, but isn't that kind of the goal with your mom is to make her happy cry instead of sad cry? <laughs> and that's the goal. But you know what? You don't you don't have to worry about the cost because we are here to help you out. We have a promo code, especially for our listeners, BLAST15. Enter the promo code when prompted. That's BLAST15 at myfrontpagestory.com, and you will get 15% off. And guess what? Uh, you'll make your mom cry some happy tears. And guess what? Those flowers that you're buying are not cheap. So go get something that she actually will love. I'm not saying your mom doesn't love flowers, but this will mean so much more to her um, than just getting the normal flowers. So go over there, myfrontpagestory.com, ball blast 15 for 15% off. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Talk of the town. The talk of the town. Talk of the town. 
James Conner, going to probably fill the Kenyon Drake role. Kenyon. Now, guys, we have seen one of these guys be a very good fantasy running back, and one of them has not been a good fantasy running back. I am Team Connor. I want to establish my dominance early in this podcast. <laughs> I love the fit. Connor slates in perfectly for the role that they have for Kenyon Drake. He's utilized in the passing game, not super heavily, but he's a very capable receiver out of the backfield. Uh, I mean, they're they're pretty comparable, actually, when you put them side by side. So I, I looked at James Connor versus Kenyon Drake. Uh, they saw, let's see, 16.3 touches per game for James Connor, 17.6 for Kenyon Drake. Yards per touch, James Connor actually out uh, out touched Kenyon Drake, uh, 4.6 yards per touch to 4.1. But even in terms of their fantasy production, like fantasy points per touch, fantasy points per snap, great. Uh, James Connor likes to score touchdowns. He's great after contact. I just like what is wrong with James Connor? I know we can say he's not healthy all the time. That's it. But if you can bank on a guy to have maybe 13 games a season and he's going to be producing on average, I don't know, let's say 10 to 15 points per game. I think that's a guy that you need to be considering like in your fantasy football drafts. And I feel like nobody is considering Connor at this point. I think that's fair. And I also like that that is the question that we're asking is more of, James Conner as compared to Drake, as opposed to James Conner versus Chase Edmonds, because I don't think that's as productive of a conversation to have, really. It's just, look, do you think that he can at least be as good as Drake? Then great, because Drake, the volume was there. It was there for him, and I think it will be there for the most part for Conner, as long as, yeah, as long as he can stay somewhat healthy, and I know that that's tough to project. I was really interested in the fact that James Conner led all of the Steelers pass catchers, all of them, in yards after catch last year. Now, that could just be, you know, the the receivers not being so great, uh, obviously in the passing game being what it was, but he is a very capable pass catcher, and I don't know that people are giving him that credit. Oh, yeah, he's always been a very good pass catcher, and I, they didn't use him enough uh, in that way last year. I was surprised with how, like, dink and dunk they were, but they weren't using James Conner or the running backs at all. Uh, but also, like, James Conner knows how to get in the end zone. He always has, and that's something Drake excelled in last year. It's, like, the only thing he did. He had 10 touchdowns um, on his 264 touches. I guess I don't know if I would call that excel, but it's pretty decent. And he ended up being the running back 14 in fantasy, and I think we can probably say James Conner could end up there. Like saying James Conner could be a top 20 running back is not crazy to me. I would a hundred, I would bet. Uh, if you what pl- should we bet on? If that? he plays 12 games, he'll be, I'll a- say top 15. Oof. I could easily do top 15 in points per game without question. I, I would be fine with that. Because, again, as long as we don't have to really project health out into it, that is great for me. (laughs) Yeah, and I I think that's fair because he's going – like, I don't see Chase Edmonds being the goal line back. Uh, And James Conner is good at getting to the end zone at that point. I think the biggest worry is does Kyler Murray steal too many touchdowns away? That could always happen. I mean, Kyler Murray was there last season, and Kenyon Drake was a perfectly fine – producer he saw uh what 22 uh rushing attempts inside the five scored nine touchdowns on those attempts james connor saw only 10 scored five touchdowns on those attempts i don't think james connor needs quite as much as Kenyon drake does to get the same output but i do think the difference that maybe we should be considering when we're talking about Kenyon drake or james connor's health is that I mean, they do get Chase Edmonds reasonably involved in the rushing game. He's not uh, super voluminous, but I mean, the the Steelers kind of game plan is to just run, run, run the same running back over and over again, generally speaking. Except for last year. Isn't it wild that Connor only had 40 more rushing attempts than Chase Edmonds last year? That's wild. Like they, that is J- nice. James Conner was very, very good in fantasy until the Steelers just stopped running and they just wouldn't run the ball ever. But I do like, I think they're going to have Chase Edmonds involved in more of a consistent role 
Then Damn we it. saw I did any... not want to fall back in James Conner. I, I have to be out on him at some point. I can't. <laughs> I am exactly as bad as I say Joe Mixon stands are. No. Yes, I am. The same every year I say. I mean, I'm not calling him a top five Conner's running back, good. but <laughs> I'm not calling him a top five running back or even top ten. But he's not going to be drafted in the top twenty running backs next year. Like I don't even think close. Probably maybe running back thirty in drafts. And he's going to be a top twenty running back, I think. I but think true, that's so I, I easy. Think the thing is, I do not think that Connor has upside that a lot of people are chasing at that position. Like I real there's no chance for me that he would I say that he could do top fifteen. I don't say at all he could do top 10 like that's how thin that is for me yeah and he doesn't I don't even think he could get you those top 10 weeks even but I think he'll be steady and productive and like as an RB3 which is where you could easily be drafting him at I'm can very I give you guys the splits though I don't know if you guys saw them I posted them on Twitter Jake I hope you didn't see them because I'm about to blast your bubble this should have been Boy. your hot take of the week do we have one by the way uh, this could be my hot take of the week. I'm, I'm a hundred. I didn't even realize this about myself until we were researching for this episode. Um, James Connor splits. So obviously you are going to see more points when you touch the ball more. That's not my argument here. Uh, but James Connor splits in games where he's seen 10 or more carries his average. And that's over 26 games that he had more than 10 carries. His average is 19 PPR points per game. That is, a, that is a pace for 307 PPR points per game. That is RB1 production. On the, on the Sorry, yeah. Uh, on the season over a 16-game period. In the 10 games where he didn't get that, he, didn't, he saw 10 or fewer carries, uh, 9.71 PPR points per game, which is still not terrible. Um, so I do think we're taking into account, you know, the missed time, but I think he is a bank for 13 games and I'm going to say, I'm going to say he's top 15 back. I, I just, I think the issue with, I think the biggest issue when we're projecting out players and getting him in that top 15 is all of the second year running backs that we're also excited for who have a higher ceiling, who there's going to be a few, there's going to be at least two of these guys that out of the five or six that are being talked up that are going to fail, but they just have a higher ceiling. So it's going to be hard to project. We've seen James Conner finish top five. Yeah, I know that was a couple years ago. I know, but I'm just like we've never seen Miles Sanders finish top five. Oh, well, no, I'm would... just saying there are plenty of other. <laughs> we've never seen a DeAndre Swift finish top five. I'm just saying, I, I'm not comparing. I those think Connor all... is a great late round draft pick. I would draft him over Ronald Jones if Connor gets 22 rushing attempts. What about you, Jay? Inside the five, he's going to have 11 touchdowns. Oh, ooh, that's that's mildly. Spicy, but I apparently I like I'm just very yeah. I definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely drafting him above Ronald Jones. I'm t- taking him above that entire backfield in Tampa Bay. Uh, All right, we me. have to move on. But our main segment is pretty much just going off of this talk of the town, where we're saying like James Conner, this is your last shot, bud. Like if you don't do anything this year, you're probably not going to get even another. It's a 1.75 million dollar contract for one year. Like you don't do anything this year, you're probably not going to get signed in another starting role or even close to one after that. So this is your last shot. But let's talk about more guys that we think this is their last opportunity to prove something to us. Maybe it's not their last shot in the NFL, but to prove something for us that we will actually consider drafting them in 2022, or they're cut, they're done. So let's start start with this first guy, because we brought up in the news that Giovanni Bernard was cut. uh, That's good news for Joe Mixon, you would think. We'll see what happens in the draft or if they sign anyone, but... What do we think about Joe Mixon? I would have to think this is his last chance of being a top 12 running back. Like, if he doesn't do it again, people have to sooner or later start giving up, right? I have gone off about Joe Mixon on this podcast too many times, so I want to no. let you guys just talk. I want I want to hear Jake's thoughts about Joe Mixon and Kate's, and I'm going to just sit back. My main concern with them still, and I see all the draft projections for Cincinnati and I see all this talk about them taking a wide receiver in the first round. And if that happens, if that actually does, I'm so out on Mixon again because they need offensive line help. They need it. Yeah. And maybe it doesn't have to be Sewell or whoever in the first round, but they need to be filling those gaps. 
And if not, you are ramming your head into the wall with Joe Mixon. It's not about Joe Mixon's talent level for me. I think he's a perfectly fine and capable running back. But if that situation doesn't improve overall, and I don't really care that it's Joe Burrow coming back to be his savior because I don't think that's how that's going to work. But if they don't really upgrade that line, then it's just a so big no for me that I'd be staying away from. If they do, then cool. I'm fine with him flirting around that top 12 maybe production, but I'm not going to bank on it. I just think the issue with Joe Mixon has been efficiency. Like up until this point, he just hasn't gotten it done in the end zone. I don't think any of those things are going to improve his chances in the end zone. I I just don't, I don't want him. The issue with Joe Mixon, I guess I am talking. I think I'm going to try to be kind of nice to him because I do think he can be a good running back if he were to be drafted on a different team. Like coming out of college, I would have really liked Joe Mixon if I was um, analyzing these running backs coming out of school. Like looking at his stats, I know I would have really liked him. The issue with his playing style is he runs a lot like Le'Veon Bell back in the day. And Le'Veon Bell's playing style worked when he played behind the Steelers' offensive line back in the day when it was elite. Once it started to kind of, the line started to struggle a little bit more. It didn't struggle that hard ever with Le'Veon Bell there, but you saw his production dip just a little bit. Then he goes to the Jets, he sucks, and Kansas City, he's just done. But that's what, like, Joe Mixon plays with this patient playing style, and he has to change that, and he won't. Like, now he's going into his fifth season. He's not going to just randomly change his playing style. It doesn't work in the Cincinnati offense, and he's not going to change it. And also, the same thing with Sam Darnold, but I'm not comparing the two because I actually do think Joe Mixon (laughs) is talented, and I think Sam Darnold's just a terrible, terrible quarterback. Uh, But if you're looking since 2017, we're looking at all running backs with 600 touches. It's like 30 guys. These are the bottom six in fantasy points per touch since 2017. It's Frank Gore. It's Peyton Barber. It's Adrian Peterson. But remember, it's since 2017, so it's old Adrian Peterson. Carlos Hyde, Jordan Howard, and Joe Mixon. And then after that, it's LaShawn McCoy, Le'Veon Bell, Latavius Murray. And remember, it's since 2017, so that Le'Veon Bell is all those bad years. So, like... That's a list where Joe Mixon's right in the middle of a bunch of pretty bad running backs. And running backs you don't want in fantasy. A bunch of old guys are a bunch of really bad guys. So it's like, okay, maybe maybe Joe Mixon's not as good as we think. Well, and to this point, so I want to compare uh, his average yards per touch. I mean, James Conner, absolute garbage last season, right, guys? Am I right? You are right. Joe Mixon. 4.6 yards per touch. James Conner in 2020, 4.6 yards per touch. Uh, last season for James Conner. People will be like, but Joe Mixon's but, line. But, it's like uh, James Conner played behind a worse line last year, but no one will bring that up. He played behind the second worst run blocking offensive line last year, James Conner did, but it does not matter when it's James Conner. Fantasy points per touch last season for James Conner, 0.81. Joe Mixon's career average is 0.75. And that's high because uh, if you, I think 2018, he had like 0.9. That was as high as he ever got to. Uh, Besides that, if you take out that one year, which you can't do, I'm not saying take out that one year, but uh, it's like 0.6, which is incredibly, incredibly low. It's just the, I mean, like. It's Peyton Barber low. So here's the thing if you're going to get that kind of volume, there's always going to be a price that, like, if he falls to a certain point, yeah. I actually think if if Joe Mixon falls into the third round, middle third, late third, he's going to get 300-plus touches next year. There's no way he's not. Joe Mixon is David Montgomery. Yeah, and that's fine. David Montgomery mm. was a top-five running back this year yeah, because of volume. Yeah, thanks to a very nice schedule, yes. too. I'm just saying. The volume alone will make, if Joe Mixon plays a full season or even close to it, the volume alone is going to make him a top-12 running back. So, I'm fine with drafting him in the third round. It's just, I bet you he gets, let's say he stays healthy, he will be top three maybe in touches in the NFL. And I bet you he ends up as like the running back nine. It's just like his production is not going to go with the volume because that's just not the player he is. But again, it's a fine value right now as long as he stays there. But I could see people hyping him back up into the top ten. 
people are either going to really like this episode or they are really not going oh, they're to gonna like hate this it. episode. Or they've already turned it off. Probably. <laughs> Most likely that. So thank you all to everybody who's Anyone still say, listening. I feel like they know who we are at this point, that they just know we're going to uh, shit on their favorite players. We will have a happy episode. This is our first mean one, I feel like. Actually, it gets it gets happier as we go on. Like, I'm being more um, optimistic about it these players. Like Car- <laughs> so Carson Wentz is the next guy I want to talk about. And this is going to be a nice one. So this is his last chance, I think, to prove that he can come back and be the quarterback he once was. So he joins his old coach, his old OC in By Philly. once, she means, like, literally, like, a couple of games. Frank Reich. <laughs> He joins him in Indy. Carson once was very good with Frank Reich in 2017. His last season with him, he was a quarterback three in fantasy, despite missing three games. His 16-game pace under him was 4,057 passing yards and 41 passing touchdowns. Then Frank Reich leaves the year after, and his play goes down. But he was still the quarterback 15 in points per game in 2018, the quarterback 8 in 2019, and a quarterback 11 from weeks 1 through 12 in 2020 before getting benched for Jalen Hurts because he was bad, but for fantasy, he was okay. I, I think he's getting a much better team, uh, playing behind a much better line, uh, much better weapons. Like, I'm okay giving Carson Wentz another chance this year, but this is probably the last one. What do you think, Jake? By default, he has to be at least fine. And I know that's not a ringing endorsement for this quarterback, but with all of the points that you just said, he was not bad for fantasy. I'm not talking from real life NFL play because yes, that's a totally different story. But if he can get those finishes looking as bad as he did, and just immediately that offensive line upgrade is going to be enough. It's going to be enough for him. Now, to be fair, I kind of thought the same thing about Phillip Rivers. Like, oh, Rivers will be a serviceable quarterback for you last year because of that same offensive line. And it didn't work out. Um, But Wentz is definitely going to be an upgrade there. I I think it would be absurd if he doesn't finish as close to a QB1. Um, And I think people are still going to be scared off enough from him where his draft value isn't going to go up super high once we get close to the draft. I think he'll be a double-digit draft pick, right, in one-quarterback leagues? I could definitely see that, that. like uh, right around 10, 11. Yeah, and I think that's Mm – I I would be fine with waiting to draft him. Mm -hmm. If you want to go with, like, a a rookie later on even, just go with both because you waited so long. I like that strategy. This is probably his best weapons. Like, it's not even that great of weapons. It's T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Like, that's a nice little group. I wouldn't say it's a top five, like, weapon group in the NFL, but it's much better than what he's had in Philly as of late. And I, I like the coaching there. You know, I, th- I think they're going to let him run it into the end zone. We saw Jacoby Brissett score seven rushing touchdowns over the last two years. Brissett's now gone, and the reason they had to put him in at least last year is because old man Rivers couldn't get in, couldn't be doing that stuff. But Carson Wentz can. So I do think he could be scoring those rushing touchdowns. I'm okay with giving him one more shot. Can I tell you guys what I think is the most underrated storyline of Wentz, like joining with Frank Reich and being with the Colts? I feel like it's his confidence. Since, I mean, literally, as soon as we kind of felt that, vibe change in Philly and we were like yeah he's not gonna be there much longer all you heard was that like man he wants to be with Frank Reich he wants to be with Frank Reich he wants that's all you heard over and over and over again and I think it is because uh, I do feel like he is a guy that when he is confident he does play better and that's not something that you can quantify but it is something that when you're watching the games you can you can see when he's confident and you can see when he is not confident. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It's not a quantifiable thing that is not scientific, but when he is put in a position where there is somebody sort of over his back, he doesn't play particularly well. When he's the man, he plays like the man. One guy I don't want to talk about for too long because we, I want to move on to other people, but quarterback Daniel Jones for the Giants. I think this is his last, like, show me something to make me feel like you could be a franchise quarterback or that you can be a quarterback I trust in fantasy. 
I mean, last year he had Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, and Droppy, Dropsy Magoo. I actually put that in the notes because that's just my name for him. Evan Ingram uh, as his supporting cast. And that's not like Shepard, Tate, and Slayton, I feel like are names, but they're not, that's not a good supporting cast. And if we're going to give Sam Darnold the benefit of the doubt, we better be giving Daniel Jones that same benefit of the doubt. He also played behind a rough offensive line. Jason Garrett is his OC. Like, is that really a better coach than Adam Gase? Probably not. But now he's getting Kenny Galladay. Hopefully they upgrade uh, the offensive line in the draft, maybe add another pass catcher. But he has to show some improvement with Kenny Galladay. Now that you have a true wide receiver one, you're going into your third season. Like, you have to show something. Do you – okay, Jake, Daniel Jones in the 14th round or Carson Wentz in the 10th round? I would like to chase the upside here with Daniel Jones. I'm actually becoming a little bit bullish on him this year, and especially because of the value. But, yeah, let's let's not undersell the fact that this guy had just nothing to work with. I mean, Saquon, of course, was not even around to help yep. him out. That's going to be huge. That alone is massive for Daniel Jones to be able to be some semblance of balanced and yes, I, I don't love Kenny Galladay as an individual fantasy receiver, but I love what he does for Daniel Jones. I like John Ross being there as an option for Daniel Jones. Like, these are all good things. And we saw enough flashes from him in that first year where I was like, oh, okay, this guy can actually do it. Sometimes you don't see that. Like, you don't see that with Sam Darnold. Like, <laughs> we, when you see it, though, at least you can chase after that. And I'm yeah. very comfortable doing that this year. I just think that Kenny Galladay is the type of wide receiver that, like, you might not look at him and he doesn't have the kind of Julio Jones upside, but I do think he is a, a really solid NFL wide receiver, and I do think he raises Daniel Jones's floor. I think I'm I'm perfectly okay with with taking another shot. He might trip up by the end of the season. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. Good one. I know, I know. I've been saving that for like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's my only joke. <laughs> I do. I, I'll take Daniel Jones in the last round or second to last round. I think it's fine to take both Wentz and Jones late and hope that one of them does well this year. But I do see it more with like Sam Darnold. I just hate because he's shown absolutely nothing for his whole career. Daniel Jones has shown flashes. He has a massive arm. And he has the mobility. Two things that Sam Darnold does not have. Uh, so, like, it, I hate this whole, like, I love Josh Allen more than life. But he's also destroyed Twitter because now every bad quarterback is going to turn into Josh Allen. could be Josh Allen. And it's like, Josh Allen was never a bad quarterback. He was a bad passer. Like, uh, I, not even a bad passer. He was an inconsistent passer. But he would make these plays that you're like, oh, damn. Like, you could at least see it from many times throughout the year, not just once or twice. It was many times throughout the year. He was just inconsistent. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Daniel Jones. I'm not saying he's going to have the Josh Allen breakout, but I do think there's a lot more hope for a guy like Daniel Jones than there is for Sam Darnold. Well, this isn't even talking about This podcast needs to be titled something like Sam Darnold in the toilet or something. (laughs) (laughs) More like Sam Darnold. Don't. Nope, never mind. Scrap that Sam one. Come Darnold. up with something better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. That should be the title. Yeah. I think we just created it right All now. All right. I, I'm so glad that we redid this now. So Can we talk about up. another, not a giant, but an ex-giant? I try to get like a smooth transition there. Didn't What's really the opposite of a giant? No. A miniature. Honestly, I, I'm already completely out on this guy. So this conversation is not about me. He's already done. He's done so. OBJ, though, I think you guys are both willing to give him one more shot. I need you guys to discuss because I am completely out. All right. First off, I want to start by talking about OBJ's fantasy point per game finishes. We do say this is the way we should be ranking wide receivers, don't we, Michelle? Jake? Yes. All right. Indeed. So let's go back to 2015 because that's as far as fantasy pros will let me go back. Uh, ranked third in fantasy points per game, OBJ, in 2015 with 18 fantasy points per game. 2016, fifth. 2017, third. 2018, sixth. Traded to the Browns. 
Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ranked 35th in fantasy points per game, and then in 2020, 27th in fantasy points per game. So my question regarding his fantasy production and what you think of him moving forward is actually, I think, tied to this question. What is the over-under? Or, or uh, Would you take the over or under 4.5 games for OBJ played with the Browns in 2021. Do you think he's still there? I think that's the only question you need to ask yourself. And if the answer is yes, don't draft him. If the answer is no or uh, over, under, whatever version of over, under I just said, uh, <laughs> if he's not playing with the Browns, you draft him. If he is, Why? What if he goes to Baltimore or something? Like, you don't know where he would go. I think, I mean, it's not like we saw the Giants playing lights out here. Uh, I mean, he was producing all of that with Eli Manning, who was like throwing like ducks. He was not playing super well in that last year, but he still produced for fantasy football. And that's all that matters. Volume is king. I don't know if he'd necessarily get the volume with Baltimore. But I don't think the Browns would trade in their division. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Okay. Whatever. Okay. So my question, like, just answer the question. Do you think he's going to be with the Cleveland Browns for more than five, uh, four point, sorry, 4.5 games in 2020? I don't, I think if he gets into the season, I don't think they're going to trade him in the beginning of the season, maybe near the trade deadline if the team was losing. But I think with the roster that they built, we would expect them to be a winning team. And I don't know why you would trade away OBJ at that point. I don't think he meshes with Baker whatsoever. Baker is a better quarterback without him. They're a better team without him. And I do think they should trade him before the season starts. So fine. If he goes to a different team with a a different offense that will know how to use him better, then draft him, I guess. But, like, he couldn't have gone to a better situation, really, than Cleveland. He has Jarvis Landry as competition, I guess, for targets, but no one really else. Like, he should succeed there. He's not succeeding. I don't, I don't, I can't really answer I just why. think that, I mean, we've seen when Baker Mayfield hyper targets anybody, I don't think it seems to work for him. He works his best football when he's spreading the ball around. I think sure. the biggest. Uh, barrier maybe to OBJ switching teams or switching teams like it's his choice uh, being traded to another team is just the fact that he carries uh, nearly 13 million dollars in dead cap so that is the big question how bad would the Browns want to get rid of them and, and why but there have been rumblings literally since last year as soon as the year started uh, as soon as his first year with the team ended there were rumblings. So I don't think it's coming out of left field to think that he might not just not mesh with the Browns. I I don't think that's crazy. I still think he's the same player, but I mean, just the, the sheer difference in play, you don't go from being an elite wide receiver for five seasons and then you're suddenly not. I don't, I don't buy it. I will say 2019, of course, it's his first year on a new offense. I historically have just been out on receivers doing that, even though very recently some of them did prove me wrong that switched teams this last year and produced. But I was out on Odell Beckham in 2019 as a, a first year with the Browns. But that's because he was still being treated as a top three, four wide receiver, which seemed ludicrous. I will say there are definitely better offensive schemes he could be in, not necessarily based on competition, but just in how they run the offense. And I think maybe we could see a trade happen this offseason yet. Once the dust settles from the drafts, people feel comfortable or uncomfortable with their depth charts at receiver. Maybe it still happens somehow. I don't know. If I he think stays it would be one the of the Browns, situations where kind of like a Jared Goff situation, you're almost like paying to get rid of him like that you're you're paying your dues in picks it's how much the team truly believes they're better without him and maybe it was just a wild coincidence that last year they were pretty bad uh as an offense at least until obj went out and then all of a sudden baker opened up even that exact game baker threw that interception to obj like that first play of the game or on that first drive threw an interception and then the rest of the game threw five touchdowns and like 
I think he had a couple incompletions that game. And then he just kind of killed it the rest of the year. They go to the playoffs. They win a game. We saw Baker without OBJ uh, in his rookie season. He was a much better quarterback. I think forcing him, he forces the ball to OBJ. I I think OBJ is in his head. And it's not just like we're making that up. Uh, We saw Baker Mayfield throw to Harrison Bryant. Harrison, right? Yeah, Harrison Bryant, the rookie tight end, in the end zone. He catches the ball, and Jarvis Landry and OBJ walk off the field like little babies. Like, they were not happy for their team. They want to be the scorers. And I don't think Jarvis Landry's like that when OBJ's not on the field. I'm not trying to come at OBJ's character, but we've seen this on the field, that he wants the ball, and that's okay. But he needs to go to an offense that knows how to pepper him and to a quarterback that knows how to do it correctly because Baker doesn't. I think that's a good point is what – maybe just the way that Baker processes the game when he knows he has a true number one read, like it's almost like you get complacent and that's kind of what I've thought maybe Baker does. Like you just toss it up because he's OBJ. He's supposed to catch the ball. Uh, And instead of just reading the field and making the correct decisions, because OBJ is a really uh, easy target just to lob it up to because he should catch everything. He hasn't been healthy. Um, So that's another concern. Obviously he has to bounce back from the ACL, but I do think that his, I mean, his ADP, holy crap. Like if you had to guesstimate right now where he's going to be drafted and redraft leagues, what is like where I I don't even know. He's going to be beyond, I, this is just based on recent startup drafts that I've done, which is not necessarily indicative of redraft, of course, but it's been absurdly low, and I could see him very easily falling outside the top 30 receivers still, unless his name value bumps him up closer to it, which is possible, but it's, it really is likely for me just based on how, how sour people are on him right now that he could be outside the top 30 and that's what i'm saying like if that's the value if that's where you're drafting him i'd take that chance at upside all day and now i don't think his upside is what it used to be his upside to me right now like his top is stefan diggs with the vikings not stefan diggs with the bills currently which is what people might want you know (laughs) that number one wide receiver overall like possibility that's not in it but I'll take that shot at that late round. So I want to compare two guys, and you may have already seen this also on Twitter, because Kate and I cannot just not tweet, I guess. Keep it in your tweets. Keep it in your drafts, man. But So if we're comparing OBJ to another guy who is being kind of written off after a disappointing start to his career, but has the same type of potential, I think. He was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, a big-bodied, he's he's talented. Uh if you look over the last two years, they've averaged the same amount of receiving yards per game, 58.6 for this one guy, 58.9 for OBJ. They both have seven touchdowns. This guy actually has 400 more yards than OBJ on the same amount of receptions. They both have 97 receptions over the last two years. Yes, OBJ missed some time, but so did Mike Williams is who I'm talking about. Mike Williams and OBJ have pretty much put up identical production, except for Mike Williams having more receiving yards by 400, but he's played more games. So that's fair. I just think like Mike Williams is going to go, what, five, six, seven rounds after OBJ, who's already going late. I think think they'll be closer than that, but I do think that OBJ will definitely go above Williams. Don't you think OBJ will still be a 7th, 8th round pick at the latest? Well, Mike Williams, I could see being a 12th, 13th, 14th round pick. Like, I think people gave up on him, and that's fair. Like, I've never been a big Mike Williams. Like, I've never been, like, his biggest fan because I just, I didn't know if he was going to get the, um... In the usage he needs because it's Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is a wide receiver one there. But I do think with Justin Herbert, at quarterback now, like he can make two pass catchers very good in fantasy. Hunter Henry's gone. And we have seen Mike Williams have a season with 10 touchdowns in one year. And then the next year he went all the way down to two touchdowns, but he had a thousand receiving yards in 15 games. So it's like, if he can just put those two things together like, he could be a very nice value in those double-digit rounds. I think one thing that we're forgetting about last year in preseason practice, right at the end of August, he uh, sprained his shoulder. 
Like, he, very badly. Yeah. Like, it, they showed it on Hard Knocks. And he was, like, laying there on the ground really bad. And they're saying that he could miss four weeks to start the season. He started week one. And, I mean, he put up 69 yards. That's fine. But then 14 yards, 17 yards. And then he was finally out in week four. Like, he was never healthy to start the season. He wasn't even supposed to be playing. And he's, you know, he's trying to get this work in with a rookie that he has no connection with because they thought Tyra Taylor was going to be the quarterback. And then he missed more time um, later on in the year with like a back injury. It was just kind of a mess of a year for him, but he still had games where he was targeted. Like he's had games of nine, eight, eight, seven, seven, nine, ten, seven targets. Like he was getting them. He's always averaged a ton of yards per reception in his career. He's that deep target guy. I like him for Justin Herbert, uh, especially without Hunter Henry. They might add someone in the draft. We'll see. They did add Jared Cook, but I don't think he's going to command. Uh, Hunter Henry's target share. I, I, I like giving Mike Williams one more shot. And I'm not even saying he's going to be great, but if you're going to give one of these guys another shot, OBJ or Mike Williams, I'd rather just go with Mike Williams because I do actually think their ceiling's the same. I think I think it's a totally fair point, and Mike Williams definitely costs, I mean, literally nothing in terms of, like, dynasty draft capital. Yeah, I feel go like, buy him in dynasty. What would, you, what would you send for him at this point? A second? If you're in your dynasty drafts, I keep saying that to uh, people. No, no, no. If you are, if you are uh, trading a rookie pick, you're in an That's established league. Like, okay. Yes. So if you're, sorry, I meant if you're, wait till your rookie draft. I keep saying that right now. You are almost there. Like, you're going to have your rookie drafts after the NFL draft. People love Drafting. Which is in two weeks, yeah. not three. People love drafting. Get there at the end of the second round where it's getting thin at the top of the third round and send that pick for Mike Williams. People are probably going to hit it. They just want to make a pick. That's all they want to do during that draft. Uh, so that's what I would do if I wanted Mike Williams. I feel like you're taking advantage of these poor people trying to scratch their fantasy football itches, but I totally love it. And something that I think is not I, I keep bringing up intangible things but i feel like mike williams and justin herbert just almost connected on like seven million plays last year yep like every i was like ah! and then it was like oh no the ball moved okay like <laughs> so i you almost screamed every five minutes it felt remember like remember when so, they almost won that game together and then it got called back that when the, that's mm. the saddest sentence of all time remember when they almost <laughs> won that game that's literally uh, the Chargers 2020 season. Do you remember when they almost won that game? Mm -hmm. That's that's what the book is called. Uh, I will say he had three <laughs> games of 100 yards and one plus touchdown last year. He was super, super injured. Like, he has the talent, but his whole career has been the book of always injured. So that's something that's to also be worried about Mike Williams. Book. But at this point with OBJ, it's like the same thing. So that's why I'm comparing mm -hmm. these two guys because it's like, okay, is, can OBJ stay healthy? Can Mike Williams? Like, I think you have the same opportunity for each. I like Mike Williams' offense more right now. Even if OBJ is technically the wide receiver one, Jarvis Landry uh, led that team in receiving or receptions or receiving yards. Um in 2019 as well. And he's very good. He's a very good receiver. Yeah, like he needs he some credit here. Jarvis Landry is a good receiver. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then I want to talk about one more guy. One more guy. And this guy was uh, a Bob last favorite last offseason. Wah, wah. Uh, we, we talked him up as a top five tight end. He womp, was going womp. to be amazing. Womp, womp. <laughs> and it's Tyler Higby. Womp, womp, womp. Womp, womp, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even give him another shot, but... <laughs> I talked myself back into no, it. No, I don't even know if I have yet, but Gerald Everett is gone, all right? And there's just a little something pulling me towards him, <laughs> and someone needs to talk me out of it. It's not going to be me, because... Baby, I did the research. Oh, my Lord. No Gerald Everett. Can I tell you the single... We all remember the three-touchdown game of Tyler Higby's 2020 season because we said, oh, my God, this is it. This was the breakout. And then it stopped there. And that was that was tough for a lot of us, uh, particularly in this household. I want you to consider the fact that the only game where Tyler Higby finished as the tight end one on the week, 25.9 PPR points, three touchdowns on the day. So that means uh, 
18 of those points came from touchdowns. I guess, actually. I don't care. I will say, getting eight points uh, from a tight end that aren't touchdowns is it's fine. It's still That's pretty actually good. pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the only game where he accomplished that was the only game on the season where Everett was actually held without a single target. He had no catches. Week two against the Eagles, Everett played 43% of offensive snaps, did not have a single touch in that game. And that was Tyler Higby's breakout game. It just breakout game again. It's, one good game. It the was his. Yeah, leave me alone. I'm, just let me do this, okay? <laughs> I am. I sold myself back in. Uh, I mean, even though he was not a fantastic fantasy performer, he actually still is a, a talented blocker. I do think they're going to need to utilize him more heavily with the departure of Gerald Everett. They also lost Josh Reynolds. These are not like huge sources of targets, but I do think they are going to have to funnel those targets somewhere. I think Tyler Higby has been an efficient enough route runner when he's been asked to do so. And then, I mean, just one last thing that I need to bring up before I get off my high horse. Mm -hmm. So there's 151 days left until football Sunday, week one, right? As of airing this or recording this podcast. Tyler Higbee will be 111 days from his 29th birthday on that day. And Jeff Ratcliffe did all of this data for PFF, and it shows that age 29 is uh, his peak performance age for tight ends. Tyler Higbee's going to be 29 January 1st. Oh, my 1st. God. You just read so hard for that. Shut you convinced me. Shut you did you it. Convinced I'm, me. I'm on now. Tight end I'm one. On we board. did see that Tyler Higbee was very, very good at the end of the 2019 season when there was no Gerald Everett. And that's our hope. That's our hope, I guess. Uh, I, The thing with Tyler Higbee is that we all talked him up to be this great tight end. Uh, I literally put him in my top five tight ends, so I don't even know why anyone listens to me. And... He was being drafted in the seventh, eighth round. Now he's he's not even going to be drafted, I don't think. And if he is, it's going to be the last round. So if you want to take a flyer on him and see if he can be what we think he can be without Gerald Everett, you might as well try it. Like, I probably will try it. If you have him in Dynasty, there's really no point of trading him unless you can find someone like me who will give you something for Tyler Higby. Then go trade him. <laughs> but, like, I, I do think he can be a viable option next year with no Gerald Everett. I don't. I don't foresee them adding anyone that would really hurt that. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with taking him in the last round. But yeah, this is for sure it. I'll say that every year. And let's talk. I mean, <laughs> Matthew, Stafford, sure Matthew Stafford. Matthew uh, Stafford. I do think there's something to be said for Matthew Stafford. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. There's good things you can say about Matthew Stafford. Say I'm just them. not sure how many of them transpose onto Tyler Higby. <laughs> He does utilize the tight end position. Uh, I did put the splits in here. I don't know where they went, but they're no longer in our show sheet. So that is my, that's my bad. Um, But the splits, Tyler, er, TJ Hawkinson with Matthew Stafford has scored more points per game than without. Wow, good stat. That is analysis. You might want to edit that out. <laughs> All right, I, I, I think that's it of being mean to people. Um, but also, I feel like we're nice there towards the end. One other guy we didn't bring up um, that I did want to bring up just real quick before we close out here was DJ Chark. I do think he's on that last kind of like show me something. We saw it in his second season, and he got us all excited, but... Is he more like that second season player or is he that rookie season uh, and third season last year type of player? He's going to finally play with a good quarterback. At least we expect that uh, Trevor Lawrence will be a good quarterback. He has a good coach. At least we expect him to be a good coach in Urban Meyer. Let's see what happens. Um, I'm willing to give him one more shot late in drafts. But if he can't show us anything this year, I do think even the Jaguars move in on at that point, not just us. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, a good Trevor Lawrence writes all ships, so everybody on that team, hypothetically right now, can feast. I personally think Chark is closer to the bottom of that depth chart for me. Like, 
I'd almost rather take the shot on Marvin Jones, which wow. is a little gross probably, but um, I I don't hate DJ Chark. It's just I, I feel like he's going to be not a lot above mediocre, which, by the way, is fine based on where his ADP is, which is super low. It's very low. I, I do, I, I have a soft spot for Chark. All right, everybody, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. We will see you next week. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.